Can the Arizona Cardinals remain competitive in week seven against the Seattle Seahawks and potentially come out with a victory? Corbin Smith of Locked on Seahawks joins me for Crossover Thursday. Let's roll. You are Locked on Cardinals. Your daily Arizona Cardinals podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network. Your team every day. Greetings, 12s and Cardinals fans, and welcome to another Crossover Thursday special here on the Locked On Podcast Network. I'm Corbett Smith of Locked On Seahawks. Glad to be teaming up with Alex Clancy of Locked On Cardinals. We do this twice a year, and Alex, I know that this has been kind of a difficult season for the Arizona Cardinals in the win-loss column, but at least as an outside observer, I've been really looking forward to this opportunity to chat about these two teams because I've gotten to watch the Cardinals a couple times this year, and I've been impressed with the fight that I have seen from this football team, and they have had chances to win a couple games that have slipped away from them. Quite frankly, this has been a team that has been much better than I anticipated that they were going to be, even though it's not showing up in the win-loss column this year. Yeah, it's a good way to put it. I mean, what the Cardinals have dealt with over the last handful of years with the last regime was winning more than losing, but not really having the fight that we've seen in 2023. So I've, I've told you know, my listeners, viewers, and people that I've talked to about this team that this is not a direct correlative between success in 2023 and their win-loss record. And I think that it's been a win so far and not necessarily in a in a consolation prize green ribbon way, but you're showing proof of concept for when Kyler Murray comes back and when the infusion of talent happens next offseason. So yeah, so far, so damn good in my humblest opinion. I've had more fun watching the Cardinals this year than I did when they were 10 and 2 and 11 and 6 in 2021. Yeah, this is an exciting team in terms of the fact that there's so many unknowns and yet they seem to be every single week putting things together to make games competitive. This past week probably was the most lopsided looking game. Just second half kind of got away from them. But yeah, uh, this is certainly a game every time that the Seahawks have the Cardinals circled on the calendar for home games. This has kind of been a house of horrors from the perspective that the Cardinals have consistently, it doesn't matter who the coach has been. It hasn't matter who the quarterback has been. I mean, even when they had Josh Rosen, they didn't win, but they almost upset the Seahawks at home a few years back with Steve Wilkes in the sideline. So it just seems like the Cardinals always bring their A game when they are traveling to Lumen Field to face off against the Seahawks. So looking at this first matchup between these two division rivals, Alex, what is the key storyline for you revolving around this Cardinals team? Obviously, as we just talked about, they're one in five. They haven't been able to win games, but this has been a competitive group at least till the second half last week and they have been able to give teams pretty good fights up to this point what's the key storyline for you going into this first game against the Seahawks if they can do it again if they can be competitive again I mean it seems like a like a defeatist kind of you know top storyline to discuss but the juggernaut nature of the offensive skill position players that the Seattle Seahawks have and the very underrated defense still for some reason um you know, this is going to be a tough task. And you're right. Like, it's the weirdest thing. That long stretch of week 18 games in Seattle, Chandler Jones would feast. It didn't matter if the Cardinals were competitive or not, but they always gave the Seahawks a run for their money. This isn't going to be that. But seeing if Jonathan Gannon can get these guys up again, if Drew Petzing can have long, sustained drives like he did in the first half against the Rams, and if the defense can 
save DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett from putting up a 30-burger, I think it's going to be a win. And that's kind of the storyline that I've been prognosticating throughout the year where it's just like, stay competitive. Keep it within a score for the first half. The one thing the Cardinals haven't done this year is gone down 24-0 at the end of the first half, where it's like, oh, no, there's a problem. They've been competitive. They were leading against the Rams at halftime. They're just, their offense isn't good enough to, to you know, get the, get, get the ball across pay dirt more than just kicking field goals, and that's what's been the big issue for them so far. Yeah, you were talking about not finishing. That has been the Achilles heel for the Seattle Seahawks, yeah. at least – Going into last week's game against Cincinnati, they were 13th in the NFL in red zone efficiency, which is respectable. But when you have DK Metcalf, Tyler Lockett, Ken Walker the third, Jackson Smith and Jigba, the group of tight ends they have, you expect that this team is going to be one of the more efficient teams in the red zone. But that was one of their struggles last year. They were one of the worst teams in the NFL turning red zone opportunities into touchdowns. So that has been a persistent Achilles heel. And you go into this game against a team that's one in five that is missing a lot of key players on defense that they traded away or let leave in free agency. This is a defense that you feel like on paper that you should be able to score quite a few points against, mm-hmm. but they have been tough. I mean, the, the Cardinals have been better than I anticipated. They've been competitive. Jonathan Gannon's got these guys bought into what he wants to do on defense. So it's never easy in the NFL, but To me, that is the number one storyline for the Seahawks going in this game. Geno Smith had 323 passing yards last week, and he made some ridiculous throws against the Bengals, but they get inside the 20-yard line, and suddenly the offensive line, which it has been a revolving door, there's been injuries left and right, guys getting back in the lineup last week that were a little rusty, and the Bengals' front line is really good, and they got after Geno Smith. He didn't have time to get through his reads or even unload the football when they got in the red zone. They just self-destructed down there. And so for them to be able to get back in the win column, that has got to – this has got to be a get-right game for them, and you don't want to overlook an opponent, but this is still a one-in-five football team in the Arizona Cardinals. The Rams were able to get some things done on offense last week in the second half. The Seahawks have got to find a way – to not just move the football, which they've been doing, but you got to cap off the drives, particularly get the passing game going down there. You have too many weapons. You have too good of a quarterback for this to be a persistent issue as it has been. And the Cardinals, as well as they have played above expectations, if you can't finish in the red zone against this football team, then you got to start worrying. Even though this is a team that's got a lot of talent, that is a big problem for them right now is yeah. being unable to finish drives. And they haven't been able to stop teams when they get in the 20, uh, inside the 20 either. 90% touchdown rate on defense. That's been the one big issue that they've had persistently on the defensive side of the football. So it's all about finishing. And maybe this – can this be the game that you can get up a couple scores? They have not been able to do that in any of their games to this point. Maybe this will be the week that happens. Yeah. But let me – this Cardinals always seems to have a, a different mindset when they come into Seattle and just crazy things happen when these two teams play at Lumen Field. For sure. And one thing, like, there are a couple of things that I've been seeing from afar. I know Devin Witherspoon, we're going to talk about, you know, the matchups in the next segment, how he's played well as a rookie. DK Metcalf has looked a little bit more curmudgeonry this year um, about maybe not. I mean, there was one, you know, wide open target. I think it was two weeks ago, if not last week where you're seeing to see a little bit more demonstrative nature from him when he's not getting the ball. Is that an issue or is that something that's just a wide receiver one wanting the ball more than he gets it now? Like the, you're never going to have enough targets unless you're Cooper Cup or Devontae Adams, according to wide no, receivers. I don't think that that's an issue. I think more than anything that he's just, 
for whatever reason, I mean, it's year five. You got to get to the point where you're able to get past the extracurriculars happening after the whistle. Yeah, right. That, that is a big issue for him. But no, he and Geno Smith have a very good connection. And I think Geno has missed him open a couple of times the last few weeks. But the pressure is starting to become something that is starting to impact that a little bit, I think. Okay. So hopefully this week, Geno Smith, fresh slate, hey, we're going to get this thing rolling again. I'm I'm going to play to the top of my game. I'm going to get the ball to my guys. I'm not going to force it, though, either. He's been trying to do that with Jackson Smith and Jigba, but it led to an interception in the red zone the other day in Cincinnati. So that red zone, bugaboo, it just it has been a huge problem. If they can figure out the red zone stuff, they were better on third down last week. This team should be one of the top offenses in the NFL. The talent, the coaching, everything that's there. But that is the one thing that is really holding them back right now. And so they're going to get a chance to do that against a Cardinals defense. And as I've said several times already in the show, they have been better than advertised. They've been tough. They have they have played up to their competition. But it is still a team from a talent perspective, especially some of the guys that are out, that you ought to be able to take advantage of. But that's kind of been the story of the Cardinals. They have been pesky. They haven't been able to turn them into wins. So the Seahawks cannot overlook this opponent going into this game. We're going to be discussing some key matchups to watch and wild cards to take an eye at in this football game coming up next year on our Crossover Thursday edition of the Locked On Podcast Network. Which is brought your way by our friends over at Bird Dogs. Putting it simply, Bird Dogs make you look and feel good. You won't want to take them off. Bird Dog stretch khaki shorts are designed to fit slimmer through the thigh and the leg, giving you a truly sculpted look. All of us need that these days. Bird Dog shorts do the exact same thing as Lululemon, but fit way better. And unlike regular shorts, Bird Dogs aren't made of a stiff, restricting cotton, keeping you comfortable year-round. Take my word for it, whether I'm in L.A. preparing to cover a tough road game or I'm chilling in my house doing a podcast like I am right now, I'm always sporting Bird Dog shorts and joggers because they are extremely comfortable. Don't restrict movement while keeping a slim look. And the sweat-wicking fabric keeps me cool and dry all day long. No matter the elements, they are truly my go-to travel apparel. I can't recommend Bird Dogs enough. You'll want to wear them all day, every day. Go to birddogs.com slash LockedInNFL or enter the promo code LockedInNFL at checkout for a free Bird Dogs water bottle with your order. That's birddogs.com slash LockedInNFL for a free water bottle at checkout. You won't want to take your Bird Dogs off. We promise you. You're listening to the Crossover Thursday edition of the Locked On Podcast Network. I'm Corbin Smith from Locked On Seahawks. Glad to be chatting it up with Alex Clancy of Locked On Cardinals. We get two of these every year, and I always enjoy the show that we have with Locked On Cardinals. And I feel like we have some humor that comes out, and maybe that'll be showing up here more in the matchups. But looking at this game, Alex, and again, Speaking of humor, there's always funny things, I guess in a morbid way, funny things that happen when these teams get together, whether it's in Arizona or in Seattle. There's just always crazy things like that are unpredictable when these two teams get together. So how fitting the Cardinals come in with no Kyler Murray, missing a bunch of players on defense. This would be a team that would scare the living daylights out of me because of the history, because the Cardinals have been able to consistently play up to the Seahawks or even beat them in Seattle. Looking at this first matchup between these teams this year, coming back to Lumen Field, what are a few matchups that you are looking at that are going to be crucial to this football game for the Cardinals? I mean, it starts and, you know, the top five matchups are just the same one over and over. It's the corners of the Cardinals versus, uh, you know, the plethora of wide receivers and tight ends for the Seahawks. I mean, 
Can you, and I'm not putting you on the spot on purpose. Can you name the second corner for the Cardinals? That's my point. Corbin's you know, this, this is going to be interesting. You know, <laughs> I, I know Marco Wilson. Right. And, right. Uh, I did that on purpose. Corbin Smith knows more about football than I've, like, he's forgotten more about football than I know. Okay. And if he doesn't know the second starting quarter for the Cardinals, that should tell you something. That is not a knock on him whatsoever. This is where the Cardinals are in their journey to rebuild their roster. And the car and the cornerback room was one that was forgotten, but on purpose this offseason, they drafted Garrett Williams third round out of Syracuse. He's yet to play. Marco Wilson was never brought in to be the first corner on the depth chart. He was never meant to be CB one, a fourth round pick out of Florida a couple of years back. Now, all joking aside, with this evolution of the Cardinals roster transitioning away from hopefully the dysfunctionality that's, per, you know, that's been perpetual with this organization pretty much since its inception. This is one thing they're just going to have to eat this year, which is get getting dominated by opposing wide receivers. We saw Jamar chase 15 catches, 195 yards and three touchdowns. I think it was 15, maybe 12. And then Cooper cup had his way with the Cardinals secondary last week. I see that happening again. And that's the biggest thing the Cardinals will have to overcome is the best friend of an inferior, inferiorly talented cornerback room is a good pass rush. And the Cardinals pass rush has been non-existent in the second half of football games this year. So if they can find a way, find an elixir to get into the kitchen of Geno Smith and make him uncomfortable, that's a way the Cardinals can stay competitive while the secondary is, you know, devoid of talent, whether it be, you know, health or otherwise. And I'm glad he pointed it out because this is kind of where it's at again for the Seahawks. They have had so many injuries on the offensive line. And for their three-game winning streak, even with all those guys out, they were playing really well. They were exceeding expectations with two backup tackles in, backup guards. Their starting center moving to guard. It didn't matter. They were finding ways to continue putting points on the board. Right. But it finally caught up with them in Cincinnati. The good news is that the Cardinals do not have anything remotely close to the frontline talent that the Cincinnati Bengals have. They don't have a Trey Hendrickson or a Sam Hubbard or a B.J. Hill or a D.J. Reader. They don't have that collection of talent. But still, this is a game that I'm looking at. Abe Lucas is still not going to be back at right tackle. Maybe the 41-year-old Jason Peters finally gets to play. I've been calling for it here over the last couple of weeks to get him in the lineup because Jake Curhan in pass protection has just been abysmal. He gave up nine pressures against the Bengals the other day. Nice. So I'm looking at that matchup and thinking, you know, I know I've got all these receivers and I've got Jake Bobo too, who has been fantastic as an undrafted free agent addition to that receiving core. But it doesn't matter who you've got a receiver if your quarterback is getting his arm hit literally right after the snap which is what was happening in the red zone against the Cincinnati Bengals. So the pass protection across the board, that is what concerns me, even with the Cardinals not being a formidable pass rush in the second half of games. This is a litmus test because there's injuries. Now they do have Charles Cross back. I think that's a big deal. Second game back from his injury, he should be even better this week. They're going to probably have Damian Lewis back as well at left guard. So there's going to be reinforcements, but that right tackle spot is still something that worries me. Now, for the Cardinals offensively, I feel like this is another group. Like, obviously, we know about Hollywood Brown, and we know about Rondale Moore and Ertz and players like that. But I've noticed, at least from my viewpoint, 
it feels like this team has suddenly hit a wall with James Conner being hurt. That really changed the Bengals game too when he went down because the Bengals couldn't stop him early in that football game. And it just feels like that was that back-breaking injury and all the, all the running back don't matter stuff out there. But the Cardinals have not been the same offense since he got hurt, at least from my viewpoint. That's very astute. It's true. I mean, that's the thing where it's like, you know, I've said, and this is the terminology I use is um, running backs being Arian fostered where they're given the ball every single, every single play. Cause that's the only thing that's going to work. It works for three years and then they're hurt for the rest of their career. It was Arian Foster. It was Todd Gurley. It was Le'Veon Bell. It was all of these guys that are great fantasy football sweethearts, but they're real human beings who shouldn't be getting the ball as much as they're getting. Now, having said that with James Conner, I was always saying 55 to 60% of the touches give to him, give him the meaningful touches in the red zone, you know, inside the five yard line. He's got a nose for the end zone. That's not something that every running back has. Now, when that's the only thing that works with a quarterback who's been traded for two weeks before the season started, they were kind of forced into using him more than they should, and this is the result. Now, the offense, you're right, has kind of hit a wall in the sense that Joshua Dobbs is exactly who we thought he was. Somebody who never really started anywhere except for Tennessee during the most random Mad Lib situation last year where he played against Tennessee, played for Tennessee for two games. He's been fine. But the big picture here, Corbin, that I've been just proclaiming <laughs> from the mountaintops is watch the offense itself. Think of this offense with Kyler Murray. Think of this offense with another offensive line piece that they're going to draft this year with an infusion of talent in other positions aside from the wide receiver room. And it's worked. Drew Petzing, they were on the field for three times the amount of time in the first half than the Rams were last week. And I know that it flipped in the second half, but there's no reason why this offense should be working as well as it is on this curve as it is. And that's the point that should be, you know, um, that should be what people are, you know, focusing on. But yeah, this year, it's kind of a mess because the talent's not there. But overall, and you can appreciate this, is like run the ball, play action, wide open receivers. That's how you run an offense in the NFL unless you're Patrick Mahomes. And that's what the Cardinals have pivoted to away from Cliff Kingsbury just, you know, throwing a dart with his eyes closed on what play to call next. <laughs> that's really what that offense looked like for the Cardinals <laughs> the last couple of years. There's a reason that Pete Carroll the last two or three times they played has gone, all right, I figured this game out. Uh, this is how we're going to play you guys on defense. But, yeah, yeah. you are going to get more of a pro-style offense. And, and I have been impressed by the way that Joshua Dobbs has ran the offense. And and it's going to be interesting when Kyler Murray gets back what things are going to look like. But I still have some concerns. Seattle secondary is full strength right now, and they've yeah. looked really good. I mean, they had an excellent game against Joe Burrow and the Bengals. I mean, you hold them under 230 yards of total offense. <laughs> That's an impressive outing, especially with how good Burrow looked the week before, albeit against your Cardinals. But uh, this defense the last couple of games, getting Jamal Adams back is a huge deal. He looks great. Uh, he looks like the pre-injury Jamal Adams. Now they just got to hope they can keep him on the field. But I'm looking at Hollywood Brown against – Reek Woolen last year, Woolen got the better of that matchup when those two went against each other. And of course, Devin Witherspoon in the slot. And I'm expecting to see plenty of Rondale Moore in there against him. That's kind of going to be one of those get your popcorn ready type matchups Two really good athletes, instinctive sure. players. Uh, and Wilson as well going up against Trey Brown, who had the game of his life last weekend. This is a game where, you know, sometimes 
you can see playing down in the competition a little bit. You got to hope for the secondary doesn't do that because this should be an advantage for them. But I am looking at a few of those receiver matches. Again, that's where the Cardinals, even without DeAndre Hopkins, they still have some significant talent right there. Yeah. And Michael Wilson's been very good. Michael Wilson's been very good. It's not the volume necessary. He doesn't have, 100, have to have 100 receiving yards and 10 receptions and a touchdown every week. The NFL game is not too fast for him. And that's fantastic for a young receiver, let alone a third round pick to just come in and be ready to ball right away. It takes, you know, it takes time. Jackson Smith and Jigba, I know it. a lot of it's scheme. I know a lot of it is they've got talent at the top end that, you know, is just better than him right now. But Michael Wilson's come in in spots. He catches everything. So, yeah, I mean, I'm curious to see what that matchup that you just mentioned will be with, with, the, uh, with the corner and, then, and Michael Wilson as well. Real quick, Alex, going into this game, who is a wild card for the Arizona Cardinals? Who is that X factor that you were watching that maybe is an under-the-radar name that could have a big bearing on the Cardinals potentially pulling the upset? You know, if they figure out how to use Damian Williams properly, I love Damian Williams. Like, as a fan of football, even from Miami and then going to Kansas City and winning a damn Super Bowl, like, you know, he took the COVID year off, and then he came back, and he's never really been able to, to uh, you know, gain his feet going to Chicago and then kind of being a journeyman after that. He's on the active roster because James Conner is hurt. And he had seven carries for 29 yards, I believe, last week. But he's a dual-threat guy that they could definitely use to open up this offense, especially with screen passes and stuff. He's lost a step, but he still has some giddy-up enough to be able to keep the ball moving down the field, especially because they're going to need to keep this Seattle Seahawks defense guessing on Sunday. I mentioned the name earlier, but as the Seahawks say in the practice field, more Bobo. I, I want to see more Jake Bobo. It still amazes me, Alex. The guy ran a 4.99, legitimately ran a 4.99, 40-yard dash. But I don't know how he does it, but he gets open. The dude just knows how to get open. He's 6'4". He has incredibly soft hands. And the other thing that he's shown that I was surprised by, he's hard to bring down. This dude rolled through like four Bengals tacklers on one of his receptions last yeah. week. And it feels like every opportunity he's had, he has made plays happen. So it's crazy with Smith and Jigba coming in, Metcalf Lockett, that I'm talking about an undrafted rookie that almost ran a five-second 40-yard dash. But he has been a fantastic player for them. And you mentioned the lack of depth and talent in the secondary. This could be a game where one of those secondary receivers really makes some big plays. And Jake Bobo is somebody that Geno Smith has a ton of confidence in it. So I'm going to be watching number 19 and looking for more Bobo this weekend at Lumen Field. When we come back, we're going to look at keys to victory and dish out some predictions. That'll be coming up next year on Crossover Thursday on the Locked On Podcast Network. Get ready for week seven in the NFL with incredible offers from FanDuel America's number one sportsbook. Right now, new customers can bet $5 and get 200 in bonus bets guaranteed. If you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there's no better time to get in the action. The app is so easy to use. There's a wide range of betting options, including spreads, such as the Seahawks being a seven and a half point favorite against Arizona this week. Player props such as Devin Witherspoon's increasing rookie of the year odds, over-unders, and more. Visit FanDuel.com slash locked on and kick off the NFL season with an offer you won't want to miss. FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. My family and I love to travel, whether visiting Cannon Beach or the Oregon coast and hiking in the Rocky Mountains. While these trips are always a blast, there's no such thing as being too prepared, particularly when you are in remote areas with no cell reception. If you get sick or suffer an injury and you aren't close to an urgent care or emergency room, it's a good thing to have peace of mind. 
And Jace Case from Jace Medical checks that box off to ensure you're fully prepared whatever's thrown at you on the road. There's a lot of uncertainty in the world today, and it's important to be prepared. That's why Jace Medical offers the Jace Case, providing five life-saving antibiotics for emergency use so that you are not just hoping you have access to medication in an emergency. You can also customize your case and add additional life-saving medications based on your unique needs. Jace is continually working to expand their medication offerings, and in those recent efforts, they've added ivermectin as an option in the Jace case. Jace Medical makes sure you have medication in hand, and they handle everything from the online evaluation to licensed pharmacy medication delivery and ongoing consultation and care. Don't get caught unprepared. Buy a gift card for family or your loved ones so that they can get a Jace case of their own and get $20 off on these life-saving antibiotics today from Jace Medical by using the code LOCKEDON at checkout on jacemedical.com. That's J-A-S-E medical.com. You're listening to the Crossover Thursday special here on the Locked On Podcast Network. I'm Corbett Smith of Locked On Seahawks. Glad to be joined by Alex Clancy of Locked On Cardinals as we continue to prepare for the first matchup between the Seahawks and Cardinals this season. And as we've talked about a few times already in the show, Alex, the record can be a little bit deceiving. And, and I know Bill Parcells always said you are what your record is, but the Cardinals at one and five have been much more competitive than I've expected. They've really played hard for new coach Jonathan Gannon. The defense has been better than I expected. The offense has been consistent at, you know, being able to move the football, maybe not putting a ton of points on the board. Touchdowns have been hard to come by, but this has been a team that has exceeded expectations, at least in my mind. And going into this game, we know the crazy things that happen when these two teams get together. The Cardinals always give the Seahawks their best punch particularly at Lumen Field, where they've won a lot of games over the years, regardless of who's playing quarterback, regardless of who the coach is. They always make things interesting. Looking at this game, what are the keys to victory for the Cardinals? How can they pull it off again and get some of that road magic to win at Lumen Field? They're going to have to get out for the quarterback. We discussed it last segment. I mean, it, these are it's so funny how like these almost turn cliche because it's like, Oh, you have to get after the quarterback and you have to get first downs and win the turnover battle. But those are how you win football games, especially if you have an inferior talent level like the Cardinals do. So for me, it's get after the quarterback because that you have to, I mean, you have to get to Geno Smith before, you know, Marco Wilson and Tony Hamilton are going to have to cover for, you know, three, four, five seconds, uh, Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf. And then two, the Cardinals can't turn the ball over. It's not about just winning the turnover battle. It's about the Cardinals not turning the ball over as well. And that's something that they just can't. Usually good teams who turn over the opposing offense can turn those turnovers into points. The Cardinals have an inability when they turn over the other the opposing offense to turn those turnovers into touchdowns. You know, the Cardinals could have been up 17 or 20 to 3 or 20 to 6 at halftime against the Rams. It was 9-6 because they couldn't put the ball in the end zone. So getting after Geno Smith and not turning the ball over while winning the turnover battle, while a tall task is how the Cardinals will stay competitive in this game for seven straight weeks. To me, it's all about explosives. The Seahawks have not been able to finish drives with explosives this year, which that has been a trademark of Pete Carroll's offenses, regardless of who has been the OC or who's been the quarterback. Last year, Geno Smith had more touchdown passes that traveled 20 or more yards in the entire NFL last year. Even Patrick Mahomes was behind him in that category. This year, he has yet to throw a passing touchdown that has traveled to the air more than 20 yards. So I'm looking at the passing game. This secondary, Marco Wilson's a solid player, but I'm just looking at the rest of the secondary, and you don't have Buda Baker out there. This is a game where 
a pass rush that has not been active for the most part for the Cardinals. There's no excuse. The Seattle Seahawks need to hit on some big plays in the passing game this game. Get that aerial attack going. Run the ball some to open up your play action. Under center play actions where Geno Smith's at his best. Mix in some of those bootlegs so that he's out of the pocket a little bit. Help your offensive line a little bit. But this should be a game where DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett and Jack Smith and Jigba, like he had his career high in receiving yards last week, but he still has not had his breakout game. Could this be the game where that ends up happening? And Jake Bobo as well. They've got way too many weapons for this offense to be as stagnant as it's been at times, especially with the explosives. And on the defensive side of the football, no offense to Joshua Dobbs, but you're speeding the clock up for a little bit on him. You're shutting down the run and saying, look, we're going to make you beat us. We know you got some talent at receiver, but we're going to speed your clock up. The Seahawks are in the top six in sacks this year. They've got a number of different ways they can get after the quarterback. They've got Devin Witherspoon and Jamal Adams to blitz. I would sprinkle some of that stuff in as they've been doing so effectively the last few weeks, but speed the clock up for Joshua Dobbs. And he still hasn't started many games in the NFL. And he has shown in a couple games where things have kind of gotten away from him that if you can get that pressure ramped up a little bit, that he can uncork some bad throws. And the Seahawks have been able to, for the most part, last week was an exception, but they have been able to turn turnovers into points can you get a few of those quick turnovers off of them? And then you put the Cardinals behind the eight ball when they're in a situation where they have to throw it all the time. This offense isn't built to be able to do that, particularly with the quarterback and some of the line concerns that they have. So to me, it's really simple. Explosives on offense, particularly in the passing game. And on defense, make life tough on Joshua Dobbs. Your run defense has been fantastic this year. Do it again this week without James Conner and really put all the weight on the skinny frame of Joshua Dobbs. And I think that that gives you a really good chance to win this game fairly handily. It's going to be easier said than done, though, to accomplish those two things. As far as predictions go, Alex, we always wait to do score predictions on Friday on Locked on Seahawks. But you look at the spread. Seven and a half point favorites for the Seahawks going into this game. What is your prediction from a spread perspective? Are the Cardinals going to be able to stay under that? Or is this a game where you envision that the Seahawks are going to cover that or exceed it? Yeah. I mean, I think, I think this is a, a week where, um, you know, having, having Quandry Diggs and Jamal Adams both on the field is kind of nightmare fuel uh, for the Cardinals because they're both, very um, flexible in their position. Obviously, Jamal Adams is is uh, one of one, you know, uh, with how he plays the game from the safety position. I think this is going to be somewhat ugly. Uh, the Cardinals are going to play tough, but Seattle's going to definitely cover that seven and a half. Yeah, I'm feeling like this is a game, especially because Seattle's coming off of the loss they just had in Cincinnati where yeah. they felt like they should have won, and they should have with all the red zone opportunities they had late in the game to not be able to – finish the game off. I think there's going to be a bad taste in Seattle's mouth going into this football game, particularly for Geno Smith with how well he played between the twenties. Once he got in the red zone, the, the pass rush and stuff, I think he's going to be out to prove something. I think the run game is going to get going some. So I, I think that above seven and a half, the Seahawks have a very good chance to do that. With that being said, I'm not discounting history here, Alex. Right. I know what the Arizona Cardinals right. have done. It hasn't mattered. Who's been the coach. I thought it was the Bruce Arians effect, but it has not mattered. We have seen Cliff Kingsbury come in and win. Uh, Steve Wilkes almost did with Josh Rosen as quarterback in Seattle. I, I just, there's always that, but when you're talking about this matchup here, that being mm -hmm. said, the Seahawks have major talent advantages across the board going into this game. And 
Pete Carroll's a great coach. They've got a really good coaching staff underneath them. It just feels like a game the Seahawks can they have. I don't want to say get right game because they're three and two, but offensively a get right game to finish drives. And so I'll be discussing score predictions as you will on your show, Locked on Cardinals tomorrow on the Friday episode. But I think that the Seahawks, if they don't cover this, I'd be a little bit concerned just because as pesky as the Cardinals are, They've had injuries, and they already were a team that was lacking talent before those injuries. It feels like a game that the Seahawks should be able to roll on. And again, that's not disrespecting the Cardinals because I know the history, and I don't want to send any bad juju out there with what we've seen in the past. (laughs) Yep, understood. Yeah, especially up there for sure. As always, you can follow me on Twitter at Corbin Smith NFL. You can follow Alex at Clancy's Corner. A special thanks to all the 12s and Cardinals fans for listening in. And make sure that you're tuning in tomorrow to our Friday episodes on Blue Friday. We'll be looking more specifically at the keys to victory and dishing out our weekly picks to click. And they'll have some fun stuff on Locked On Cardinals as well. Make sure that you are listening to our upcoming episodes as we draw closer to Sunday's matchup at Lumen Field. Thanks for listening in and enjoy the rest of your Thursday. Go Hawks, go Cardinals.